Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of Point of Insanity Game Studios Geekery in General Podcast. Your day is about to get a little bit better. You want to know why? Because you're about to listen to me and Chad talk, or actually that's bad grammar. You're about to listen to Chad and I talk about another episode of Black Mirror. So how are you doing on this fine, wonderful, lovely day, Chad? I am doing great. I mean, look at this mohawk. It is perfect today. Mr. It's not, not a hair is out of place. If Mr. T saw that mohawk, he would be so freaking jealous. He would be. Especially I, since I grew a better beard than he does, too. <laughs> now you just need his big physique and all the gold chains, right? Oh, God, that much gold would make me fall on the floor. <laughs> well, then you would need to sell all that gold to probably pay for the medical bills from the neck hernia, right? There you go. Now, is he just one of the quintessential 80s characters? And, I, I mean, I guess he hasn't really done much recently, but... He was a boxer, dude. He was just this boxer who got into one of the Rocky movies. And from there, it kind of, it kind of snowballed. I think it was WrestleMania 3 he was at in Hulk Hogan's corner. I thought it was one or two, because I know there was one where he early? I, it was early because I remember there was one WrestleMania where the first one was he uh, tag teamed with Hulk Hogan against Roddy Piper and whoever was another one of the prominent uh, heels at that time. And then I think the following WrestleMania, and again, I could be wrong on this, he actually did a boxing match with Piper. So, yeah, and I, of course, you got to remember, you got to love him from the A team, you know, B.A. Baracus. Oh, yeah. So... But we are finding out here, Mr. T. Let's see here. He was a he boxed uh, Roddy Roddy Piper at WrestleMania two. Was he also at WrestleMania one? He may have been because I think they did the tag team first and then the boxing match. Ah, yes, he was at WrestleMania one. I thought it was three for some reason, but again, I was proven wrong. My knowledge slightly askew. Thank you, Mr. Al. Well, that's okay, Chad. We're getting old. You know, the the the, the memory isn't always going to be, uh, you know, what it used to. But in a way, talking about memory actually is a, not an inaccurate transition into today's episode because it does play a little bit of a role. And we were talking before, and it's like I mentioned before that this is my, one of my this is my wife's favorite episode. And you said that your daughter, this was her favorite episode as well. Yeah, my wife and my daughters were getting ready to go to Minneapolis this morning, and I said, oh, I'm I'm going to be watching uh, White Bear. And my old, my youngest daughter's just like, that's the best episode. She's giving me a thumbs up, and I'm like, okay. I, and at that point, I hadn't watched it. I watched it early this morning, actually. So it's real fresh in my brain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I watched they, it last night. So they put that device on me, and I forgot about it. Yeah. <laughs> so the... Okay, so let's jump right into the episode here, and then we'll talk about, um, I mean, I don't know if your daughter ever told you why she, she liked it, but I'll tell you why my no, wife. said okay. it's one of her favorites. Well, and I mean, I like it. It's not my favorite episode, but I'll, my wife explained why she thinks it's her favorite episode, so we'll get into that well, uh, later on. I will on. say this as far as myself watching it. I was confused up until the credits. Yeah, because, yeah, that is one thing. It You don't really understand what's going on in the episode until uh, rather late, which, and, and again, I think that's intentional. I think that's one of the things that makes it an effective episode because now the, the, main, the episode features a woman named Victoria. And did you, did you find when you were watching the episode that your feelings about her changed as the episode progressed? Well, yes, for for the simple. We'll get more into detail on it, but yes, they did change. Yeah, because you to, started... Actually, to more sympathetic, and then at the very end, they throw that twist, and you're just like, what a... Yeah. Yeah. So, and again, we'll talk about that later, but yeah, your sympathies do kind of change throughout the episode, and so it starts out with Victoria, and she wakes up in a room 
has no idea how she got there. She sees there's like a, some bandaging on her wrist and there's some pills on the floor. So it leads you to believe that she tried to commit suicide. And there's a TV screen that has a strange symbol on it. So she turns off the TV and again, she really kind of plays it off that she doesn't know what she's doing or where she is, uh, and it implies that she's got some sort of head issue going on, like, you know, a bit of a headache. Well, yeah, she reaches to the back of her head on a few occasions um, in the early scenes. And then there's an important shot here where after she turns off that TV, she stands up and there's a full-length mirror. And she spends time looking in that mirror, and she almost looks like she's confused at what she's seeing. Like, she, it's like almost like she doesn't recognize herself. That is true. So she leaves the room, goes in the basement, and you know, she gets a glass of water. And just the way she gulps it down, you know, you can tell that she there's something going on with her. Morning after cotton mouth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so then she goes to a fireplace and she sees a, a picture of herself and a man. And then she recognizes that as uh, her her boyfriend or fiance and there's a picture of a girl on you know kind of tucked in the picture frame and she she takes it out and she looks at it and she wasn't really you know sure and she thinks it's her daughter mm -hmm. so this is where it gets kind of creepy because well even creepier uh she goes out of the the building she's in and it looks like just your normal residential you know apartment complex or the flats as they i guess they call them over there in england right so she notices there's people in the windows and they're just holding their cameras looking at her that was the cell phones that was the creepiest part of this entire episode for me is when she runs out there there is nobody outside there's a playground in the middle of this residential area there's not a kid to be seen there's a there's a turned over bike just sitting next to the sidewalk but there's all these people just standing in the windows with cameras filming her and i'm like i'm just like what the heck is going on here yeah that is creepier than some of the stuff that happens later to yep. me. and then she sees someone kind of come out you know from a, a fence area and takes a picture of her with the cell phone uh i think it, it's implied that because i i think you hear a little bit of a click but anyway she, then this person runs off and she follows him because she doesn't know what, she, you know, she doesn't know where she is. She doesn't, you know, really quite remember her name yet. And she just wants to know what's going on. And again, as she's leaving this area, again, looks like just a normal residential area. And she sees people in the windows, again, just holding their, their smartphones at her. A car pulls up and out comes a guy. He's dressed in one of those red coats that people used to wear when they would go out hunting you know when it, back when hunting was this upper class affair and uh then you he had that mask on that had this the strange symbol that she was seeing on the tv and she looks kind of confused at him as he goes to the trunk of the car opens it pulls out a double-barreled shotgun loads it and starts shooting at her and as she runs away that's when she notices that there's all these people that are following her and again, all of them are just holding their, their smartphones pointing at her while this maniac in a mask with a shotgun is running after her taking shots. And not a single one of those people say a word. It's important. Yep. They don't say anything. Right. So they're, no one's making any effort to help her. No one's making any effort to intervene. But then again, considering the situation, if something like this happened in real life, if you were to see someone being chased around with a shotgun... Well, you'd think that most people would at least call 911. Right, absolutely. But she, as she starts running away, again, more people start running after her, again, just holding their phones out. And then she sees a gas station where there's a woman filling up uh, the gas tank. And, you know, she runs into uh, a man and a woman, and they, they, they board themselves up inside this gas station and again, they're all panicking because, and again, this was creepy as well, because this, this strange masked man, he's trying to break in because they, they move like a, a vending machine or not a vending right. machine, a, a refrigeration thing that you machine, see. Yeah. Yeah. That you see in the, the supermarket that has like TV dinners or frozen pizzas or whatever. Right. 
I'm gonna so they, I'm gonna stop you for a second because I caught something in this that, and I may be wrong because this is England and not the United States, but they had this little car, like a little compact car that they were putting the gas into. Did you see what color hose they were using? I did not. I mean, I didn't pay quite that much attention. It's green. So what kind of gas comes out of a green hose in the United States? Diesel. Okay. It's I diesel. wasn't aware of that. So. Yeah, they always have that green covering on the diesel. So they were putting diesel into a car that I'm guessing wouldn't wasn't diesel. So I'm guessing it wasn't an operational station. I mean, you'll find all this stuff out later, but I'm guessing that because they never intended to take the car anywhere. But I'm still, I'm just like, this is, you know, I was just set off by that. I'm like, and I don't know why, but it just kind of sat in the back of my brain. It's like, there's something wrong here. And I could be wrong. And if anybody that listens to this knows anything about England, you know, does regular gasoline come out of a green tap in England? I don't know. Okay, so you've got Victoria, and then you've got this strange man and woman who they're, of course, they're a little panicking. And, of course, Victoria just wants to know what's going on. But, again, what really was was kind of creepy at this point is as he's trying to break in, you know, the guy with the gun and the mask, everyone is just standing around him, again, holding out their phones like they're taking pictures and recording it. So they realize that there's a, a rear exit. So Vic, the woman, Jem, uh, she takes a a fire hydrant and starts bashing at it so that not a well, fire not hydrant a fire hydrant a fire extinguisher <laughs> yeah that's true okay sorry about that good catch so she takes the fire extinguisher and eventually they you know break open the door so uh victoria and jem run out the back and as they're hiding they hear a gunshot and they see the man that she was with you know stumble out with a gunshot wound to his in his gut and uh then they start so she's trying to explain, you know, as they're hiding and they're, um, you know, they're fleeing from this man with the shotgun. Uh, Jem is explaining that there was this signal that started to appear over mobile phones and televisions and anything with the screen that was causing people to act this way, where they would just kind of watch and observe what was going on. However, there were also people that were not affected. So some of them started acting statistically, just kind of taking and doing whatever they wanted. So they make this plan that there's this transmitter at a station called White Bear, and they're going to go and they're going to destroy it. So as they are fleeing from the man with the gun, uh, they a van pulls up and there's two more of these hunters that pop out, um, one of them wearing like a welder's mask and... Uh, he's carrying a baseball bat, and then you've got this woman dressed in these really weird, like, elbow-length rubber gloves, right, an right. apron, and a lamb mask, and she's carrying an electronic carving knife. Right. So as they start fleeing from those two, uh, they there's a van that passes by, and there's a man who picks them up. And they think that they're going to try to help him escape, and then again, all during this episode... Uh, Victoria keeps having these weird flashbacks and this is where she starts going on about how she thinks that that girl in that picture is her daughter but she's not quite sure and uh, you know also there was a there was a situation where a couple of people got close and Victoria threw a you know threw something at them and one of them dropped their phone and she was going to go pick it up but that's when Jem steps in with the taser and again explaining how okay just backtracking a little bit explaining how that's what was causing people to act all weird. Right, right. You know, actually, to backtrack real far, the opening scene on this was her kind of coming to and having those flashbacks. The first thing that popped into my head was the episode before, and I'm like, oh, my God, is it another one with those with those eye implants? You know, oh, with the grains? Like, it looked like somebody was going through somebody's memories really fast. So I thought, oh, are they tying it in that way? But it doesn't seem to be. Yeah. It doesn't seem to be. Well, she was rubbing the back of their neck, for so it's quite possible there was something implanted in the back of their neck, and I'll get to that theory in a uh, in a moment here. But okay. um, as they are heading towards this uh, White Bear station, they find out the man Baxter, he's pulls out a shotgun, and as it turns out, he was a man that was chasing them before. 
So he forces them at gunpoint into a forest where they see there's a couple of people crucified off of trees and there's some smoldering fires. And he, uh, at this point, Jem escapes, but, um, and he takes a shot, but she keeps running away. He ties Victoria up to a log and then he's looking through his, uh, you know, his backpack and he pulls out a power drill and he, he's, you know, fear, fear, fear. he's like, oh, look what we got here. And, you know, he's talking right. about how he's going to drill into the back of the head. And that part, I was, again, that was one of those other parts that was really kind of freaky because it seemed like the guy was taking some kind of sick pleasure knowing he was about to torture this woman right. with a, a power drill. Right. Absolutely. And then, you know, I, at that point, I'm like, well, that would be a weird thing. Because this was about halfway through the episode when we get to this yeah. point. And I'm like, so where does it go from here? If they kill off the main character, does does Jim become the new main character? Because I've seen shows like that where they'll take, you know, you'll have one main character and then that character will die or become no longer part of the story. And they kind of focus off on somebody else. Yeah. And that's what I thought was going to happen there. But again, we're wrong because Jim shows back up. And blows the guy away with his own shotgun. Yeah, and, and also during this time, I uh, forgot to mention, you had more people stepping out of the woods. And again, everyone was just holding their smartphones, you know, watching this guy about to torture this woman with a power drill. And no one was taking any, making any attempt to intervene. Right. So, or, but, or still, nobody's talking. Yes. Making no noise at all. It was really creepy. So they, Jem and Victoria escape. And again, they're heading towards White Bear where they say that they're going to burn it down. So, and I'm not sure what, see, it's kind of weird the way the time passes here because it was daylight when it started, but then again, it was like a cloudy overcast day. So it was really kind of hard to tell if it was like morning, evening, or right, afternoon. It's still, it still moved weird. So either they had to cover a great distance to get to the uh, to the station or, I mean, there's a lot of things you could look at. It could be a great distance. It could be they had to be very careful to not, you know, to avoid cameras and this and that and the next thing. We don't know. Yeah. But you're right. Time does travel weird because it's daytime and then it's like night. Not like, it's not like dusk. It's not like early night. It is night. Yep. It is dark. So, yeah, the, and then looking back after you see the end, that's what made me think, okay, it probably happened. The episode probably started like late afternoon, early Most evening. Likely, so yeah. that, you know, there, there wouldn't be too much time between, you know, the, when she woke up and then when the, the final event uh, occurs. Right. So they get to White Bear Station and break in there. And then the, the two other hunters, the guy with the baseball bat and the woman with the electric knife, they they show up, and Victoria manages to get the shotgun and fires at one of them. And instead of a blast, out comes a shower of confetti. Yay, confetti! Confetti makes everything better, just like bacon, right? Ooh, bacon makes everything better. Though I don't think I'd advise confetti and bacon on... I, I don't think I'd advise confetti on bacon, though. Well, let me put it to you this way. Somebody gives you a plate of confetti... And you have to eat the confetti. Not very good. Somebody gives you a plate of confetti covered in bacon, and some confetti gets in the way of your bacon. Sure, it brings down the enjoyment of the bacon a little bit, but it increases the enjoyment of the confetti so much. Yes. <laughs> so, okay. So this is where then things really start to unfold because, you know, Victoria is looking around confused, and the wall opens up. And they just kind of take, they kind of put her into this chair and chain her in. And there's this audience of people applauding. And they see, uh, you know, the the man with the gun, Baxter, appear again. The man that Jem with, that, you know, supposedly got killed. Uh, he's, he's back. back. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's really, and that's where the twist started. And I was just like, what the Sam Hill is going on here? And... It's like, oh, it's a show. So it's some sort of entertainment. So you start getting that idea that, okay, it's it's a show of some sort. And then uh, a Baxter kicks in about, what, now we get to show you who you are. And they turn her around in this chair and they force her to watch these, well, mostly images. 
of herself, of her fiance. Um, I forget his name, Eric something, wasn't it? And um, uh, I'll look. You go. Go ahead. And... Okay. I think his name was Eric something. So this was your fiance. Well, ex fiance now because uh, he died while in, incarcerated. And they just kind of go through this, and you find out that the girl that she thought was her daughter was not actually her daughter, but her name was Jemima. And, and she had been kidnapped by Victoria and her fiance. And basically they, they tortured her to death and burnt her body. So then you get really confused because it's a really odd episode of this is your life. I mean, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And then the next thing you notice is they're like, all right, they they keep her in this chair and she stays in this chair till the end of the night. And they just get four guys that come in with these, um, I guess, planks or whatever you want to call it, that hook onto the chair. They pick her up and they put her into a uh, transporter of some sort where it's it's kind of like the Pope Mobile, you know? Yeah. <laughs> there's a there's a section up front where. Two people drive, and then there's this big domed area that's clear, made out of plexiglass or bulletproof glass. They don't. There's no real way to tell what it is. But I mean, they only throw stuff at it, so it's not. It, it didn't necessarily need to be bulletproof. Yeah, throwing but, like tomatoes and stuff. Yeah, they were throwing tomatoes, and and a couple of them looked almost like chunks of raw meat or something, you know, kind of thing. Yep. So okay. Um. So yeah, according to IMDb, uh, the guy who played the boyfriend Nick Old Oddfield or Ofield uh the character's name is Ian Rannock Ian. yeah Ian. Ian. okay so, not Eric but yeah they so yeah and they also reviewed that um just go back because I, I don't remember if you because I was looking that up so I don't know if you, I caught this or not but yeah it's like the I think the news report said that um the she Victoria didn't actually kill the child she just watched okay. and taped it well recorded it while he was doing the act and i don't think they ever did did they ever explain um because i was watching it rewatching it late at night last night did they ever explain why they kidnapped her i mean they didn't say if there was like a ransom or anything no they didn't they didn't cover that at all um they did cover a news report where it talks about ian him himself while in prison and that they had taken steps so that um, Victoria would not hang herself or not kill herself in in while incarcerated. And then it gets to the end. They take her and they take her back to the house it all started in. On that chair, they put her back into the room. They set everything up the way it was the morning before. And what you think are bandages on her wrist for because she attempted suicide i found them to be more like they kept the iron bars that they have on her from marking her up to, as so as not to give her a clue that she's bet you know they're doing this and he puts this device on her head and he goes this will make it all fresh and new for tomorrow yeah it's like oh you goes, had a bad day but don't we yes, yeah. have it don't worry this will uh you know, this will make it all better. And I do like the the that Baxter character, how when they first showed her the picture from the booking, he's like, you've looked better. So I'm like, you know, uh, I, I forgot how he yeah. put it, but it's like, you know, yeah, you've, you've looked better. Or you've had better days. But, yeah, so he has that little moment where he's like, this will make it all go away. And then, you know, so it's going to. He tells to... her it takes like a half an hour. And here, why don't you watch this while you, while it happens? And it's the the, the raw footage from her and Ian torturing and, and killing the girl. And he just kind of leaves her in that chair. She's still bound up at this time. Um, he opens the door to her bedroom, shuts off the light, shuts the door. There's a guy sitting in the hallway in a chair waiting, you know, and I'm guessing he's the guy that goes in after the half hour or whatever, takes off the device, takes the, um, the metal clamps and stuff off the chair so that when she wakes up, she thinks she's, she uh, lit, survived an overdose, basically. Yeah. And and that's where the episode sort of ends, because that's when the first uh, the first title page hits, and you know it's like directed by, and I'm like, I almost hit the stop button, 
And I'm glad I did because yeah. I was still very confused. Yeah, because like, at oh. yeah, because at the end they start doing a, a bit more explanation or exposition uh, because the facility they were in was called the White Bear Justice Park. So that's why I'm thinking, okay, if it's like a self-contained park, the whatever happened, it was probably really late at night, uh, or right. it was like later in the evening. So that would explain why it transitioned from day to night so quickly. Right. Um, and I don't know if maybe, well, this is getting a bit meta, but I'm almost wondering if there's like a maybe like a space in there where they give her some food or something, or let her go, uh, you know, go to the bathroom because it's like, again, I'm getting too, I'm getting a bit far ahead of ourselves, but it's like, okay, if you think about it. Um, when does this woman get a chance to go to the bathroom? When do they feed her? Does she ever get to bathe or engage in any acts of hygiene? Um, because again, we're just based on how the episode goes and how the end plays out. It's almost like she's in this constant cycle where all she's ever getting is just this glass of water. So that's why I'm wondering, you know, okay, do they ever give her time to actually eat? And she was pretty skinny. That's true. Um, so yeah, and then they, they have the, you know, the actors welcoming them to the white bear justice park and they're explaining the rules. And again, they refer to how well the other day she, uh, you know, she threw Threw something something at someone. So yeah, stay far away. And it's like, okay, don't say anything. Yeah. Yeah. What were the three rules? Um, keep Keep your your distance. distance. Yep. At least three meters. Mm -hmm. Um, don't say anything. And enjoy yourself. Yes. That last part. Have fun. Take lots of pictures. Enjoy yourself. This is apparently family-friendly entertainment because I don't know if you noticed or not, but in, there looked like there were some younger kids in yeah. the in the, the episode. I mean, you'd think this is something they would just have only adults or older children, but... Right. And it was... And, and that was one of the things that, that caught my mind, too, is in the very beginning when all these people are just standing in the windows, you know, taping her or whatever is there's one where you can see a dad hunched down over his little girl and they're looking through the camera together. Yeah. You know, and when they were explaining to the audience, you know, there was little kids in there. It's like, this is fun day at the park. Exactly. And, and it brings up and, and, and it brings up the whole idea of, Oh my God, this is some sort of police or government sanctioned incarceration. This yeah. is not some rogue group doing this. This is the government of this type or, or this – because we've always talked about how it's England, but it's not really England. Yeah. So this is the government in this – Alternate reality England. England. Yeah, this alternate reality, and I'm just like – I mean I know we're Americans, but we have pretty much the, a, a very similar constitution to what England has. And I'm pretty sure this would fall under um, cruel and unusual punishment. (laughs) Yeah. 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 And yeah, she was party to the murder of a child. Bad stuff. But she's still a person. And this is not allowing somebody to be a person. Yes. She, she definitely needs to be incarcerated. Yes. She definitely needs psychiatric help, which they are definitely not giving her. But this is not okay. When you find out what's really going on there, at the end of the episode, when I figured out what was really going on there, I got a little mad. I'm like, this is not how you rehabilitate people. Yeah, exactly. And again, my wife, one of the reasons she, okay, when it comes to like crime and punishment, my wife is a little bit more towards the draconian side. And that's why I think she liked the episode is that she she thinks that this is a case where the punishment's fitting the crime. And while Victoria did indeed do something, you know, terrible, I think we're supposed to ask, is this a situation? Is the punishment fitting the crime in this case? Should does Victoria deserve this, you know, this repeated psychological torture and and again in the the episode they don't really touch on how long this is going to continue they don't imply if this is like a a life sentence or if it's like a normal prison sentence where after having endured endure this for so many months or years she gets 
maybe then she gets put into a, like a normal prison and can get psychiatric treatment. But well, you would think I with this, notice, I did notice that, and they focused on this a couple times throughout the episode. There is a calendar um, for October hanging on the wall in the lower level of the house, and it has been X'd out through the 18th of October at the start of the show. And at the very end, as he's leaving the house and she's upstairs screaming, the main guy character, and I can't think of his name now. Baxter. Uh, Baxter. He walks over to this bureau that sits in front of it. He opens a single drawer. It's completely empty except for a black pen. And he takes off 19. Puts the pen back in, walks out of the house. So to me, that says... There is, at some point, this is going to end. But we have no idea if it's only been going on since October 1st. We don't know if it's been going on for 10 years. We don't know if it ends on October 31st. We don't know if it ends 10 years from now. Yeah. But it does imply that there is a timeline to this. Yeah, and see, that's one of the things why I think that the... The thing, the, I mean, I think like punishment like this wouldn't be practical because, as I said, based on what we've seen in the episode, other than drinking that glass of water, you know, unless they put something in the water that sustains her, or maybe when, you know, she's um, unconscious, they give her like intravenously feed yeah. her or something. Yeah, that's possible. You know, because it's like, okay, where does she get time to eat or drink or go to the bathroom? Um, and then also another thing to consider, okay, she's, if her sentence is every day, she's running and ch being chased around. What if she falls and breaks her leg or twists her ankle or something like that? I mean, does she, do they right. maybe Suspend give her end the sentence until she's healed somehow? Or, or then again, let's, let's look back to the episode we did, which actually comes later than this one, but the episode we did, the Christmas episode. Okay. Maybe this is all going on inside her head. That's, you know, that's a good point. And I'm glad you brought that up because I didn't think about that. Maybe, yeah, maybe it's something like, uh, you know, that like White Christmas where this is a cookie of her right. and she's, that's be, actually being tortured. And then as you were suggesting in our, uh, in our White Christmas episode, maybe after so much time, they implant those memories in the real person's head. But I, that's, a good, that's a good point. I didn't actually think about that. So, and I think, as I said, I think one of the reasons my wife liked the episode is she thought it was a situation where the punishment fit the crime because she basically stood by and watched while her fiancé murdered a girl and now, you know, she's being chased around. She's made to think that her life is in danger and everyone else is just watching and doing nothing. And I'm almost wondering, see, because one of, again, one of the things I like so much about Black Mirror is how it, it tries to examine the effects of technology. And I think sometimes they do, and they are inspired by actual events. I remember before this episode, and this was years ago, occasionally you'd see a news report of. You know, this was like after smartphones and cell phones with better quality record, you know, right, video right. cameras came out. There would be situations where usually it was among teenagers where maybe the school bully on the schoolyard was starting to push around or beat up, um, you know, a kid. And then instead of going and, uh, you know, calling for a teacher for help or trying to stop them, you know, there were situations where, you know, a couple of kids, they'd, you know, they'd pull out their phones and they'd record this bully uh, beating up on a kid. And then, you know, sometimes later it would like get posted to Facebook or something. Right. And yeah. uh, there's also a couple of situations where I know these happened after this episode. So they're not like really interrelated, but but they might uh, be with Black Mirror. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> well, there was this one situation I, or story I read about in Florida. Uh, There's a group, I think it was like three teen boys. They came across a homeless man drowning in a pond. Now, you would think that most normal people would go for, would, even if they didn't go in to try to help the guy, they'd at least go call 911. Right. But what one of the boys decided to do is he pulled out his phone and they recorded it. 
and they literally watched a man drown to death in front of them while recording it on their cell phone and making jokes and making fun of this guy who literally was dying right before their eyes. And I don't remember how it the that particular case ended because it did get some media attention. Do you remember hearing about this story at all? I don't, but stuff like that, yeah, you hear about it. Personally, it sickens me. Now, I'm not a strong swimmer, but I would probably have called 911 and then attempted to save the guy. Yeah, and you know we know one of them uh, had a cell phone on him, so it would not have been that hard for them to call nine one one. Let's see, just going to see if I can find that uh, that but, I mean, story. It, it like that, it's like for some reason our our feeling of responsibility for our fellow man has gone kind of to the wayside, and it's become kind of a issue, and. To me, that is one of the worst things. I could not see somebody dying in front of me and not do anything, let alone crack jokes and talk about it while it's happening. But to just be not active. I mean, if it was something I couldn't change, I would at least call someone who I thought could help. Okay. So it happened in 2017. And, yeah, the uh, article I found, the boys, they were not charged in his death. Because there was a lot of debate as to whether uh, there was a lot of debate as to whether they should be charged. Because again, well, you know, I'm pretty sure the way a lot of good the way that a lot of Good Samaritan laws work is if you do encounter someone in danger, you're expected to take reasonable steps. Now in Florida, uh, I have friends who live down there, and from what I understand, a lot of bodies of water, natural bodies of water will have alligators in them. That's so, true. okay, you can kind of understand you couldn't expect them to just run in and try to save them. But the kid had his cell phone on him, so he should have at least called 911, um, you know, so they could try to get some help for him. But uh, they decided, I mean, again, I don't, I didn't read the full article. I just looked at the headline right. here just to confirm because I was pretty sure they wouldn't be charged with it. Um, and, and, in reality, they probably shouldn't have been charged with his death because they technically didn't do anything that caused the death. I think they should have been charged on, or, or at least made to be aware of what their actions caused. Yeah, and I think they should have been. See, and I, I know it's one of those areas where I think, you know, someone like you or I, the way we look at it, those kids should have been charged because they should or they should have gotten some sort of punishment because they they literally watched and record a man die in front of them while cracking jokes while maybe right. they didn't and again there has to be some sort of good samaritan law that that would have violated but yeah and i i'm sure there was a lot of outrage when people found out that okay they weren't going to get charged with anything and then another situation that and this was another one that got a lot of media attention there was a um, a man well he was like 18 so again a teenager he he was white and he was um he had like autism so he was a little bit mentally challenged not well maybe that's not the best way to say it but you know he had autism he was on the spectrum yes and he was going to hang out with a couple black friends of his and then this is this was after the election of trump so remember they uh i don't know if you heard about this or not but what happened is these four uh these four kids well teenagers young adults they kidnapped this uh this boy with autism and they spent a, a few days torturing him you know taunting him while recording it and posting it on facebook and you know having him demanding him to say things like you know Trump sucks and screw white people and all that. And of course there was the media storm behind that. But again, it's one of those situations where do you think that maybe that's this episode was prophetic where it was trying to point out that technology does have the potential to make us feel less empathy towards our fellow man. Yeah, I think absolutely. And, and it's, it's more in the younger generation. Cause like you and I, we grew up at least part of our lives without the technology. 
you know, I didn't see a computer till I was in middle school. I mean, I knew what a computer was, but I'd never seen one. I'd never played with one, you know, until I was in middle school. Um, I don't know about you. I don't know what it was like down in Milwaukee, if you guys started with computers sooner than that or not. But it was so we had that base without technology. And now you see kids. I mean, if they're big enough to pick up that cell phone, you know, mom and dad are letting them play on it. We didn't do that. Yeah. <laughs> my, my girls didn't get a cell phone until they were, oh, I want to say Emma was a freshman in high school and Molly would have been in like sixth grade, seventh grade. And then we got them very simple cell phones that, because they walked to school at that point, you know, they could call us, they could call grandma and grandpa, but they weren't smartphones. I think they were both in high school before they got their first, you know, smartphones. Mm -hmm. And I think that makes for a kid to develop better social skills, better understanding of the world around them than always being in that virtual space. You know, I know little kids now that can tell me how to fix my cell phone. <laughs> I know little kids that can get on a computer and program. But if you sit down and talk to them face to face, they're kind of like, they're not really engaged. If it's not virtual, they don't get engaged. And I think that's that disconnect and why you see things like people kidnapping an autistic boy to torture him because somewhere in their mind, None of it's real. It's all, we're all, you know, in some sort of simulation. Elon Musk has even come out and said, the world isn't real. You're not real. This is just a computer generation that we live in. We're living in the matrix, basically. Right. And I'm like, son of a bitch, if we're living in the matrix, why am I fat? <laughs> right? You got to... You got to meet Morpheus, who's going to give you the, what is it, the red pill or the blue pill, and you're right. going to wake up in a pod, and you're going to find out that you're actually a younger, sexier Keanu Reeves. Nice. I'll take that. <laughs> and then they're going to force, then they're going to, like, program martial arts and stuff into you. I'm down. I am so <laughs> down for that. So, but... but you know what I mean? And it's the reason that you get things where kids sit on the edge of a pond and watch a homeless man drown. It's because of the way the world has been virtualized. And I mean, you hear every once in a while about these kids that try something stupid, end up either, you know, severely hurting themselves or killing themselves. And you find out that the reason they did it was, well, if I die, somebody will just hit the restart button. Yeah. Or what I think, or the other thing, and this is more of like a YouTube thing than, uh, necessarily a smartphone thing but you know there's people they're always trying to make that viral video and they think yes. for some reason okay i am going to you know record myself well like one you've probably heard of urban exploration correct oh yeah yeah, yeah. um there's a, a youtube channel that i've watched and okay i admit it's a guilty pleasure uh there's a youtuber named ali law uh, he's over in, in, in England and I've seen a, you know, I, I go, I've seen a few of his episodes here and there, but he does that urban exploration stuff where again, it's uh well, he's breaking the law though, because what he does is he trespasses into, you know, buildings and stuff. And they, you know, they climb around these tall buildings and they, they record it and stuff. And, uh, but you know, there's people always trying to do things like that where they think, okay, if I post a video of myself doing some Thing that other people might find cool or interesting i'm gonna be the next big youtuber um and, and i know there's probably a lot of people like that with video games because you know pewdiepie I, i'm sure even if you haven't watched his channel you at least know who he is oh yeah how can you miss it after this last uh, mass shooting in new zealand where he was brought into it as the um as the guy was going into the uh, into the temple said you know make sure you subscribe to What's that? The mosque. I'm sorry. This is the mosque. Um, like sorry, and subscribe to temple. PewDiePie. I was using 
temple as a as a generalized religious church. place. Yeah. Okay. So go um, on. But so they go into the mosque and he's like, make sure you uh, you know you go check out PewDiePie because he thinks like we do. And PewDiePie's like, what? Yeah, because uh, my cousin and I on the last episode of Gamers Gambit we talked about that and how. Uh, you know, it was just so stupid how people were trying to say that PewDiePie and YouTube, you know, somehow radicalized this guy. But again, we're not going to go into that. Go listen to that episode and you can hear us talk a little more about it. But with specifically with PewDiePie, uh, I think one of the reasons that YouTube gaming is so popular is there's people that because, you know, PewDiePie is a freaking millionaire. Right. And he got that money from the views and the ad revenue of just playing video games and commentating on it. And I think there's a lot of people, kids out there who are like, hey, I could do that too. And well, unfortunately, because of the way YouTube's changed, I don't think it's really, I think it's a lot harder to become that wealthy and make a living out of doing that. But yeah, that's neither here nor there. And I don't know how we got off that topic, uh, but... We were just talking about how virtualizing the world around kids kind of disconnects them from that whole, um, you know, being part of a human race and having sympathy and and that kind of stuff for your fellow humans. Yeah. And I think we kind of slid off of there. But yeah. But back to the episode. So overall, I like it. And again, it's one of those, as I said, it's one of those thought-provoking episodes because it makes you, again, your your sympathies towards Victoria change, where at first you felt sorry for her because she's being chased around by this guy with a shotgun and has no idea why. Then she finds out why she's being chased around this guy with, with by this guy with a shotgun, you, and you, you lose sympathy for her. But honestly, near the end, it kind of comes full circle and you start to feel sorry for her because, you know, yeah, is, yes, she did a terrible thing and needs to be punished. But is this necessarily a fair and just punishment or is it basically just, I, I mean, I would assume there's some sort of profit involved with this justice park. Is our people it's, just it's, basically it's profiting? It's institutionalized torture. torture. Yeah. So, any final thoughts on this episode? Well, you know, I'm not going to say it was. It's not the worst episode we've watched. I'll, I'll give you that. That um, I'm not sure which one gets that, but we'll we'll try to figure that one out when we get to the final episode and do that. But um, it was a good episode, and I think it's a very, like you said, thought provoking episode, and I think it makes you think about what is okay and not okay for a government to sanction you know and i think that in the modern day that's a good thing to think about because i mean here in america we have our own challenges with our current president you know other places around the world i mean you can watch england is going through a very big upheaval over their whole brexit thing and now, you know, not wanting to Brexit at this point, even though they're coming up on their deadline, you know, and asking the rest of Europe being like, hey, can we wait a bit on this? And I think the world is, as itself is kind of in upheaval right now. You got the mass shootings in New Zealand. You've got, you know, all the stuff that's been going on over in North Korea and China for years. And the whole world is just kind of like and and. Putin is, you know, he's a mob guy or something now, and he's in cahoots with our presidents. And it's just like all these things. And it almost makes you feel like there's no good in the world, even though we know there is. It's just they don't report on that because that doesn't make money. So you have to hold on to that whole fact that there is good in this world. And you have to hold on to the fact that, yes, there's a lot of messed up stuff going on in this world, but there's still a lot of good. And I think overall people are good. And I think that this episode kind of shows you where it could go if we forget those things. So that's kind of my take on it. Okay. Well said. Uh, definitely some uh, words of wisdom there. And if people want to hear more of your words of wisdom, where might they no, be able to words of wisdom? <laughs> okay. So not always words of wisdom, but if people want to, if, if people want to hear you talking to other people, instead of just talking to me, where yes. can they find you? 
Well, just go to eclecticmediaproject.com, and from there you can find our podcasts, you can find our artists, um, and, you know, you can check out what we do. We've got places for people that want to start a blog. We have places for people that are writers that want to get their work out there and have people look at it and see what they've got. So, you know, it's uh, it's pretty eclectic what you can find out there. It's a so, media yeah. project <laughs> with a lot of... It's a it's an it's an electromagnetic pulse. That's what EMP stands for, right? No, it's eclectic media project. But, <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, yeah. So, like I said, eclecticmediaproject.com. You can find us there. Well, I'd like to thank you for joining me today, Chad, and uh, for the listeners. Of course, I'd like to thank you for listening, and certainly go check out the episode if you have a chance. And uh, as I said, what do you think? Do you think that this you know, the punishment in this case does fit the crime. Do you think that, it does it scare you to think that maybe this might be where crime and punishment could be heading? Because I was reading an article that there were, I don't know if they're going to go through with it, but there were talks of doing spinoffs to the White Bear episode. So, I don't know, that might be interesting to see how they pull that off, how they, you know, do how they would treat other types of crimes and criminals in this this alternate universe. But like I said, maybe we'll see that. Maybe we won't. But we will see you next time. So I'd like to thank you for tuning in and have a good evening or morning or afternoon, whatever it is, wherever you are, and we'll catch you later. You have been listening to a program from the Point of Insanity Network. Visit us at poigamestudio.podbean.com for more shows. Follow us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at POI Game Studio.